You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning and welcome to Recruiting for Mamas. My name is Jennifer Powers Johnson. I have a Division I athlete. He plays football at Corner Canyon High School in Draper, Utah. And um, the reason why I'm recording this podcast is because we've been in the recruiting process now for a few years. And when we started, there were no resources out there for moms. I'm one of those moms that's like, well, how do we do it? How do we get ahead? Uh, Are we doing the right things? Are we maximizing our exposure? Um, and I would look out there for podcasts or people to give me information and there just didn't seem to be any information out there. So I decided to start my own podcast. Um, I'm certainly not an expert, but what I am doing is sharing, um, what I've learned along the way. And so take that information and do what you will with it. Um, this is our sixth episode And on this episode, we are going to be covering unofficial visits and junior days. And and those things are very, very similar. Um, So we're just going to go ahead and dive right into that. And uh, I think we've got a lot of content on those things. So (laughs) hopefully uh, we'll get through this podcast and uh, I'll cover everything I think I need to cover regarding unofficial visits and junior day and official visits are a totally different thing. Um, and, uh, we'll probably cover that in a future podcast. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, because of the current pandemic, Jackson has not been on any of his official visits and I'll kind of walk you through that at a later time. But at this point, we're only expecting to take one official visit. And I, and again, we've got a methodology around that and why we chose to do that. And if we have time on this particular episode, I'll, I'll go through that. Okay. Let's talk on official visits. So first I think we need to define them. An unofficial visit is when you as a parent and your uh, athlete decide, uh, we want to go and visit, Um, this particular college program in order to see um, how it works there. And uh, when we started to do unofficial visits, we um, generally, most kids take unofficial visits during their sophomore year, um, sometimes during their junior year. Um, We came in on the cusp of a rule change with the NC2A. Um, Prior to that, people could take unofficial visits in their freshman year. Um, In some cases, I think that may still be possible. I'm not totally sure, but there was a rule change um, just as Jackson was um, finishing up his freshman year that made it almost impossible to take unofficial visits if you're a freshman or younger. Um, And the reason why the NC2A cites for making these rules is they don't want kids to get so caught up in the recruiting process and 
dealing with all the stuff that goes on with that, that they are neglecting their current teams or their current or their current uh, homework load. And so generally when these visits happen for sophomores and juniors, they happen at uh, the springtime for the most part. The springtime is generally when these unofficials happen a little bit in the summer. But again, your timing has to match up the timing specific with the NC2A restrictions. And there are very um, specific times with the NC2A in which coaches are not allowed to talk to kids. Um, and so even if you were walking through the grocery store and you saw uh, an athlete, um, there are quiet periods when they don't even want you talking to that athlete. Um, luckily, we've never been at the grocery store and suddenly run into a coach. So an unofficial visit is a visit that you decide that you're going to take to a specific university. Sometimes the university will invite you in via email saying, hey, you should come up and see our program. They'll send invites for those kinds of visits specifically to kids who are juniors. And there's a day in September going into your end of August, uh, early September going into your junior season in which uh, the handcuffs are taken off all the recruiters from across the nation and they're allowed to contact anyone that they want to contact. And um, we're going to actually, that's a whole nother episode. It's called Ready, Set, Go. I haven't recorded it yet, um, but I'll walk you through what that looks like. So, um, and then other times you may see, okay, um, I'm really interested. I've looked at my big board. I've got uh, five universities or I've got 10 universities or I've got 15 universities that I'd be really interested in playing for. And so I want to go and schedule an unofficial visit. And there's a lot of perks for why that makes sense to do if you have the financial means to do so. So I've heard of uh, when Jackson was playing his uh, freshman year of high school ball. His quarterback um, was Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson went on to play Division I ball at at BYU. He is their starting quarterback there. And uh, what he did with his dad is his dad and him got in a car and they started driving and they drove uh, from Salt Lake City to uh, uh, Reno, Nevada. And uh, and went and toured the University of Nevada there. And then they just essentially went on a road trip. And they did that going into uh, Zach's junior year of, of high school. And, and so what was great about that is they got to see Zach in person. They got to um, give him the eye test. And the eye test is... Um, does he look like an athlete? Does he look like what we're looking for? And then um, some of those visits actually resulted in uh, Zach getting offers from different universities because they were able to see him in person. Um, he showed up and 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 put in the work of, of going to their facility and going through the unofficial visit. So um, you, if you're, if you're, in your at the tail end of your junior year scholastically in school 
and uh, you're available, you can schedule directly with any university you would like and say, I would love to come in on an unofficial visit. Now, the thing about unofficials is, is the school is not paying for that visit in any way, shape, or form. You're paying for that visit. And so when you go to visit, they can do specific things with you and we'll kind of give you an idea of what they're going to do with you on that unofficial visit. But they're not going to buy you food. They're not going to give you t-shirts. There is no sweat on that. And if they are doing those things, that's a little um, sketchy and kind of on the edge. Now, if you're going for a specific uh, junior day, which is very similar to an unofficial visit, except for they'll have a bunch of kids coming in at the same time. Occasionally, they'll will be a part of that junior day in which you may be getting some sort of instruction. And if they're going to give you instruction and sell you um, that instruction time for fifteen or twenty dollars. Sometimes there'll be a T-shirt that that comes out of that, but it's not like you're walking around and they're uh, selling you big time like an official visit. And essentially, what you're doing is giving them an opportunity to view you, and and, and look at you and talk to you. And you're doing the same for them. You're you're meeting them and you're seeing the vibe of that program and you're getting a feel for what they're trying to accomplish as a football program. So. Um, how you schedule those is you're going to reach out to the recruiting coordinator or you're going to reach out to a position coach, specifically if you have relationships with those position coaches. And then um, if you're an underclassman, how do you schedule those? So if I'm a sophomore and I cannot reach out directly to a coach and make sure they're going to pick up the phone every time, um, a lot of times what you're going to have to do is use the resources on your team that are older. So once again, we were really, really lucky because we had Ben Fillinger, who was a year older than us, then had offers all over the place. Um, and people were really recruiting Van. And so bless his little heart. Uh, Van was really awesome to work with because Jackson would say, I want to go see this foot program, football program, or I want to go see this other football program. And Van was always willing to pass that information along to um, the coaches he was working with. And then we were able to, during his sophomore year, schedule some unofficial visits to different university programs where we could go and see um, their program. And, and we utilized the road trip as well. We were on uh, a spring break in Southern California. So we went and saw several Southern California programs. Um, we have family in Missouri. So we utilized that family in, in Missouri and we stayed with them and we went and saw the University of Missouri. Um, we, we used that time where we live here in Utah and we went and saw a majority of the Utah programs that we were interested in playing for. So that's what we did. And we went on all those unofficials. Um, we also participated in junior days and and I'm going to kind of walk you through what happens once you have, um, scheduled that unofficial visit and how that looks. So generally what will happen is someone from the recruiting staff will meet you um, at the the football building or the office building that handles, I, wouldn't, I, I guess it's an academic building, but the office building that handles the football team. And what they're going to do at that point is they are going to uh, take you on a tour of the facilities. So 
Um, what that would generally look like is you're going to go through the locker room and you're going to go through the weight room and you're going to look at uh, where they recover. Um, so there will be ice baths and uh, jacuzzis and uh, trainers. Uh, you'll meet with the equipment people. Um, you will see uh, the stadium. You may see the players' lounge if they have a players' lounge, which tends to be not all uh, universities have a players' players' lounge, but um, some of the big programs absolutely have a players' round. Um, they are going to also take you on a tour of the university. Um, they will show you classrooms. They will show you the campus. They will talk to you about um, what they are very proud of relative to their campus. They'll talk to you about their culture and their program and their legacy. Um, most of the programs that we toured um, had storied legacies. And so you would see the Heisman trophies or the Bull trophies or um, the uh, rings that they had won at the different bowls that they had gone to. Um, a lot of times, if they're a bigger program, they will have a, a section of the building dedicated completely to players that went on and were very successful in the NFL. Um, depending on... Uh, kind of what what's going on with that program. And so a lot of times these type of tours can be quite astonishing. Um, you'll go in there and you'll be like, oh my goodness gracious, like I didn't even know that I needed this technology in my life in order to become the best player that I could be. And some of these larger programs really do have some amazing, amazing uh, facilities. Um, they will give you, um, hopefully, they will give you a tour of the academic department. They will walk you through um, what they expect academically from their athletes. They will give you some resources. They'll tell you about the resources that are available to athletes. Um, they will a lot of times show you student housing and what it looks like when you play for that university where um, the athletes stay. And some of those places can be pretty amazing. Um, they will take you through the food facilities. Um, you'll also be able to look at position classrooms. I don't know if most people understand, but a lot of football doesn't necessarily happen out on the field. There's a lot of prep that goes into um, preparing for these games as well. And so daily, if you're in a college program, you're going to go to class and you are going to be in a, in a classroom with your position coach and he's going to be going through practice film and he's going to be evaluating how you did in that practice that day, um, especially when you're looking at just getting the team ready um, in order to even start playing games. Uh, there will always be lots and lots of lots of, <laughs> I cannot stress that enough, um, film work. If you're not looking at your film right now and evaluating what how you're doing on film right now, I really encourage you to do that because once you get to college, everything is filmed. Every practice is filmed. 
Um, every walkthrough through is filmed and they're going to go over those and go over assignments and make sure everybody understands their role and what they should be doing um, relative to what the program's trying to do overall when they play other teams. Um, so you're going to go through all of those. Uh, every single unofficial that we took, uh, we generally would meet somebody from academic advising as well, and they would show us the facilities relative to um, how they are going to make your student-athlete um, successful in their classes. And so that that should be really important to you as well because it's one thing to go play at the next level um, and you're not going to have to take as many classes as you take in high school, but the rigors of those classes are going to be pretty intense and it's a lot to manage um, specifically when uh, you're also practicing and lifting and doing all the other things that are required for football. So academic resources are really important to review as well. And a lot of times they'll have somebody from the resources that are available around academics come and speak with you and you can ask them questions and they will show you where the study halls are and the resources around that. So that should be something that you're paying attention to as well. Um, I think... For the most part, those visits can take anywhere from a half a day to a full day. We went to one university in which from 9 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock that afternoon, they had someone showing us a different facet of the program uh, during that day. Um, those are generally what unofficial visits look like now. If you are someone that they are interested in pursuing a further relationship with, with they're going to do everything they can to have you also um, meet all the position coaches that they can possibly have you meet. Um, they are also going to have you, if they possibly can schedule it, depending on the time of your position coach, a one-on-one -on -one with your position coach, and they... I would love to get you one-on-one -on -one with your, the head coach as well. And those meetings can be extremely intense uh, because they're the, those coaches tend to be very candid with you about how they view your student-athlete and uh, where they see them fitting in within that program. And sometimes um, it can be slightly overwhelming to have somebody in that kind of position of authority talk to you talking to you about your kids and talking to your kids in such a way that um, they really are expressing that they're very interested in your kid. And so kind of be prepared for that and just um, take that in and any feedback that they give you, make sure you're making a note of that later and following and circling back with that with your athlete later because that's going to be something you want to work on or something you want to pay attention to. Um when you go to these uh, junior days, if you are at a larger program, sometimes there will be extras that are tacked on to those days. So if you're there for, we, we had several universities that um, we were there for an unofficial visit. And the next thing you know, they are taking 
um, uniforms from the current team and they are laying them out in the locker room and they're letting you pick uh, what you would like to wear and they're outfitting you and they're putting you in the uniform that the current athletes use when they run out onto the field and play against other teams in college and that can be a pretty heady experience um, kids love to put on the uniforms they absolutely love it and it makes them feel like holy moly this is so much more real um, I'm not a big fan for asking for that in any way, shape, or form. I feel like if they offer that, um, fantastic, and you can kind of go through that. We had uh, one university that that was just part of their schedule. You started, uh, you watched a small film um, about the university and its legacy, and then you went to the locker room and in the locker room they walked you through the lockers and what those lockers were going to be like and then from there they handed you a uniform with your high school number on it and they allowed you to put that uniform on and that can be like a Christmas morning like kids love that and then um, from there uh, they took him into a photographer who was the team photographer and that person takes photos of your student athlete while they are in the uniform and I mean it's quite a fun experience and so um, we've also seen that happen at other places where they won't just get the kids that are having pictures taken but they will include the coaches uh, they will include the staff. Uh, they will have occasionally DJs who are DJing, DJing photo sessions. Sometimes they will pair you up with um, other players who may be interacting with you. So if you are a quarterback, they might put you with a center. If you um, are a lineman, they might stick you with a quarterback and the entire offensive line or the entire defensive line. Um, and they will take photographs that way as well. And it's a super duper fun atmosphere. The only thing I can uh, compare it to is something you would see out of a movie. Um, like a John Hughes movie, like, is that real? Does that really go on? And absolutely it does go on. But you will not see that at every single program that you tour. Um, different programs um, have different ways that they use the photo shoot as uh, something that um, they do. They use those photos for down the line. So you could go to a photo shoot and have a bunch of photos taken and have the best time. And you may not see those photos for six months, a year, uh, depending on what's going on. They're not um, sending in those photos to you right away generally, um, mostly because that can be seen as a benefit. And so unless your player is um, at a point um, in their junior year on that ready, set, go date, um, they're not going to probably be doing a lot of customized things for you like the photo shoot photos or edits. And edits are essentially, and I'm sure all parents kind of know what this is already, but edits are a thing where they take your player and they take some sort of shot from your player and they Photoshop it into a much a very cool atmosphere. So like maybe they will Photoshop it on a billboard or they're, uh, they'll Photoshop it um, on something else that's exciting and cool. And then what you will see is you will see uh, players on Twitter posting their edits and they'll be like, 
lots of love from this university today. Those generally don't start coming out until your player is beyond a certain point in their junior season. So even if you were to schedule an unofficial visit and you were to code that visit and there was, if you were super lucky, a photo shoot there, then don't expect to get uh, those photos until later down the line. Um, so that kind of, and then occasionally there will also be, if you, they have a bunch of kids coming in on like a junior day, there will be a banquet that night or a dinner of some sort. And in those cases, once again, they're not feeding your player. You need to pay in order for your player to eat at that meal. And so you're just going to stand in line and they're going to have you fill out some paperwork. They're, you're going to disclose who's there with you, what's going on, and then you're going to pay for your dinner. And they are not expensive dinners. And they generally tend to be all you can eat. Um, we've been to some as cheap as five bucks a person, others that are like 10 or $15. And it really depends on what they're planning on serving at that particular uh, unofficial visit or junior day. Um, so that's kind of a feel for what you can expect when you go through an unofficial visit. And then I just have some additional kind of guidance on uh, things that you should be thinking about uh, while you're there. So uh, once again, it's basically another job interview, right? So Number one, be a be, be a good guest. Be a good guest. Uh, we have been to different uh, junior days and or unofficial days in which um, there'll be a bunch of kids that have come in, say, from a seven-on-seven team out of California or out of Texas. And you'll have a bunch of kids that are super-duper excited to go and visit that school. But then that seven-on-seven team spends its whole time uh, taking over the player's lounge and kind of acting as if they live there and it's their own place and sticking their feet on the couches and leaving trash everywhere and wrappers everywhere because what you will also find at, at these places is they're they are set up for the actual players. And so the players have protein drinks available to them all the time. They have protein bars available all the time. They have different nutrition that's available all the time. And so when you go to some of these days, you'll see a bunch of players that are like acting, not players, a bunch of recruits or possible recruits that are acting like they live there. And they're making themselves way at home while they are on campus of another place. Uh, it's disrespectful. They are uh, monopolizing different areas and acting like they live there. And so they're not great guests. And sometimes you can see the disrespect being completely noted by the staff. And those teams will not be asked back to come to that junior day again or to that campus visit. Uh, the second thing would be bring the appropriate people. Don't be showing up at unofficial visits with 40 people. You're bringing uh, the parent um, or one or two parents. You're bringing the athlete. Um, in theory, you could maybe have a brother or sister, but I can't tell you the number of times we've been at an unofficial visit and there will be um, younger siblings who are bored out of their minds, who are running around and crying or throwing a fit. And 
although everyone's being incredibly tolerant of it and nice about it, the truth of the matter is this is a very professional situation and a very professional organization. And those kids should have been left home. Like that's uh, not who you want to bring on your unofficial. So if you are going to bring younger children, make sure they are on their best behavior and that those younger children have an idea of what is going to be happening that day. Um, the next thing is, is make sure you are dressed appropriately. So if you are going to, let's say UCLA on an official visit, you're not wearing USC sweatshirts to your UCLA visit. Um, my kind of rule of thumb, thumb for unofficial visits is you should be wearing team gear from your high school. You're there representing your high school at that unofficial visit. So you don't want to do anything that would look bad or or create an environment in which you were not a great ambassador for your school at that unofficial visit. And then you also don't want to do anything disrespectful by wearing um, another team's jersey, another team's sweatshirt, that kind of thing, because it really does come across as incredibly disrespectful. Um, it's funny because when we originally went to Oregon, Oregon is um, a very Nike-centric um, university. Phil Knight is one of their big boosters there. And so when I, when we understood, oh, we're going up to Oregon, we wouldn't have worn any shoes that weren't Nikes because in our family's view, that would have been seen as slightly disrespectful. That may be taking a little far. No one's necessarily looking at your shoes and saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe they'd wear those shoes. But for us, everything's in the details. So we wanted to make sure that we had our details set before we walked in there and we're making the best possible impression on uh, that coaching staff and and as well as that recruiting staff. The next thing is, is let's make sure we're engaged. Um, a lot of times you'll have three or four teammates that will want to go on these unofficial visits together, and then they spend the whole time talking amongst themselves versus engaging with the coaches. So if you are going to bring some friends along on your unofficial visit, make sure that all those boys know going in, that they're there to engage with the coaches, not with each other. And, you know, there'll be plenty of time to go out to dinner after this whole thing's over and talk about, holy moly, did you see this? Or what'd you think of that? But while you're there, you're on. You want to make sure that you are representing your family and your program to the right level. And then once again, just like when we talked about in another episode of people coming into the school, Body language is super important. They are going to size you up. Oh, here's another thing that will happen on an unofficial visit that I just remembered right now as I'm speaking. They will take your weight. They will take your weight absolutely and completely. They will take your height absolutely and completely. Once again, it's very important that on Twitter or on film or anything else that you're putting anywhere else out on social media, you are not... Um, inflating your numbers. If you say you are 6'2", be 6'2". If you say you are 6'4", you better be 6'4". And they're going to have you remove your shoes. They're going to ha- put that uh, thing on the top of your head. It doesn't matter how much hair you have. Um, they're going to squish it down to your to your head. 
and they're gonna measure uh, your wingspan, they're gonna measure your weight, they're gonna measure your hands, and they're going to go, okay, we've seen that the metrics are out there on the internet, but we wanna verify those metrics here while we have the athlete with us. So be aware that you are going to be measured while you're there. That being said, when you walk in, wear your tallest shoes, absolutely. Uh, you're gonna hold your body like an athlete. Don't go in there walking around with bad posture. Good posture is a big deal. Once again, you never have a second chance to make a first impression. So absolutely, posture, posture, posture. I cannot stress that enough. Slouching is the worst thing ever. Um, be engaged. Handshakes. Eye contact. Your body language should say the entire time, I'm so jazzed I'm here. Thank you for taking the time to spend with me on an unofficial visit. Because again, these guys are taking their whole day or a half a day with you. So you want to make sure that you're not wasting their time. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, all of that is to basically say, pass the eye test. Pass the eye test when you walk in there. Um, again, you're representing your high school. You're representing your coaches. So make sure you're making a really good impression. Um, okay. Let's see. What else do we have on here? Let's just, let's just make sure we go through and recap right there, here so I can make sure I've told you everything, uh, that's really important about the unofficial. Let's see. We talked about how to schedule unofficials. We talked about the timing of scheduling un unofficials. So if you are a sophomore, you're going to want to use an upperclassman to help you schedule that. If you are a junior, you can schedule that directly with somebody from recruiting. Uh, you want to make sure that it's in their time frame where it's easy and good for them to take unofficials. So springtime, a lot of time, absolutely, that would be a great time to schedule those. Uh, summertime, June is one of the best times to schedule an unofficial. Official. And if you do exactly what football programs are doing, if you're going to a specific area to have an unofficial, hit the other schools that are available for you to have an unofficial while you're in that location. Um, the other thing is uh, we talked about what happens once you get there, tour the facilities, tour the university. They're going to be able to walk you through the culture, through the academics, the resources that are available for student athletes. You're going to go to weights. You're going to look at recovery. You're going to look at the stadium, the locker room, the team room, the players lounge possibly the housing um, and the food services that they use with those players. Um, we want to make sure we are a good guest, that we are treating their facilities like we would if they were our own homes and we had paid for them ourselves, that we are bringing the age-appropriate people to those unofficial visits, that we are prepared to be measured, that we're prepared to have our hands measured, our weight measured, uh, that we are dressing appropriately for the visit. We're not disrespectful by wearing another team's uh, swag or another team's jersey, um, that we um, are presenting ourselves with confidence and acting in a respectful manner, and that we're passing the eye test. I've got a couple other things that I want to talk about regarding this particular episode, and then I'll wrap it up for the day. The first one is this. There seems to be a overwhelming 
um, sense that this is a scarcity situation. And to a certain extent, that's true. They really only have so many offers at every university. And so, of course, you want to be the one that secures that offer. But leaders tend to be people who actually get those offers. And so leadership has one thing in common. It wants to elevate everyone. It's not about elevating just yourself. It's about elevating everyone. And so what you will see a lot of times, especially in here here in Utah, is that these boys may go on the field during high school ball and they'll play their hearts out against each other. But the truth is, later down the line, some of these boys may end up on the same college football team. So it's really, really important for your player to be friends with players at other schools. Um, and and when we have an area of the country that's developing into a powerhouse for a certain kind of football player, then that's good for everyone. It's like the sense that when there's more water, all the boats rise, right? And so we want to be part of letting all the boats rise. And so we are really, really big on networking with other players, right? You're going to see them at camps. You're going to see them at junior days. You are going to see them around in your community if they work with the same trainers or the same speed and agility guys or the same position coaches. So it just makes sense to be friends with those folks and and promote them as well as you're promoting yourself. Because if they're coming to the Salt Lake City Valley, Valley, it's good for all the players in the Salt Lake City Valley because that gives them an opportunity to be seen as well. So a lot of times what will happen is you'll have a university that is coming into town to see a specific player, let's say at Corner Canyon High School. Well, suddenly that's good for Alta, that's good for Jordan, that's good for Bingham, that's good for American Fork, that's good for Sky Ridge, that's good for Orem, that's good for all those programs because that guy's come in from that university and he wants to hit as many programs as he can while he's here. So when you're on Twitter and when you're in these situations where you're meeting kids from other uh, schools, make friends with them, be friends with them, promote them, uh, promote their abilities, be positive. That's another thing. There's no reason in the world why your student athlete as well as you shouldn't be 1000% positive on Twitter. Let's be the ones, let's be the ones that don't do negative things on social media. Let's be the ones that do positive things on social media. So that was one thing that I definitely wanted to stress is I wanted to stress networking and, and the more we can push out a certain area of the country, uh, the better because that means everyone's going to get exposure from that area the more people who are paying attention to that area. And then I'm going to end this particular um, podcast with one last thing. If you go on an unofficial visit or if you go on a junior day, those days need to be followed with gratitude. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And there's two kinds of saying thank you, right? There's the showboaty way of saying thank you, and then there's the real way of saying thank you. So the showboaty way is we're all taking pictures with different coaches while we're on their campus. And if I'm on social media, I'm suddenly like, oh my goodness, that player just took an unofficial visit at that college. Fantastic, right? And that's the showboaty way of saying thank you. Like, hi, it's me with these coaches and thank you, coach, and thank you, this university, for having me there. That's a fake thank you. It's great. It's good for Twitter. That's fantastic. But the private thank you needs to follow. So if you're on a road trip, you're stopping by your local grocery store, you're buying some thank you notes, and then as you're going from place to place, you're writing your thank you notes because those people did spend a huge amount of time facilitating that day for you. They went out of their way. They planned for you. They knew that they were going to show you all the things that were going on. And sometimes they're doing it for a big bunch of people. And you know who stands out? The people who are truly grateful. So if if you learn nothing from any of these podcasts other than to write handwritten thank yous and real authentic thank yous, that would be fantastic because that's going to be the thing that separates your specific athlete from the rest of the crowd. Okay, guys, that's it for today's, today's recording. That's the unofficial visit slash junior day. What you can expect. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I want to talk about one more thing too. All of these kinds of things are happening at every level. They happen at the Division One level, the Division Two level, at Division Three level. So if you're not getting a ton of action with the D1 FBS schools or the D1 FCS schools, start concentrating on your Division Two level. There's no reason in the world lots of kids end up at Division One by starting out at a JUCO, um, at a junior college. So start working on that as well. If you're not getting the kind of attention that you thought you should have been getting from the D1s, start hammering up those D2s because they would love to give you a scholarship as well. Okay, here we go. That's it for today. Hope you had a, I taught you something on this podcast and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Bye. Good morning and welcome to Recruiting for Mamas. My name is Jennifer Powers Johnson. I have a Division I athlete. His name is Jackson Light. He plays at Corner Canyon High School in Draper, Utah. And today our episode is going to be called Ready, Set, Go. Um, and we are going to cover um, basically a bunch of things that happen in the September timeframe of your athlete's junior year. So with that in mind, we're going to start it. Ready, set, go. The first thing I want to talk about is there is a day around the end of August, 1st of September, in which the NC2A has decided that this is the official day that coaches from around the country um, that coach at a division one program are able to reach out and talk to your athlete officially. And it generally happens very close to Labor Day. Last year, um, when the date arrived, depending on which time zone the coaches were in, that happened at 1201 uh, AM in which they could reach out and talk to 
Jackson as a player. And to kind of describe that day for you, at 12.01 specifically, and it was on a weekend, I think it was on a Saturday night, and so 12.01 would have been very, very early Sunday morning, and Jackson had been out at a dance or on a date or with friends or something like that. And at 12.01 exactly, he started getting calls from different coaches from around the country that had some sort of interest in him. And so he came home immediately and both my husband and I were in bed and he came into our room and he's like, oh my gosh, people are starting to reach out and they're starting to talk to me. And that uh, started at 12.01 and it didn't end until roughly almost 24 hours later until 11.50 the following evening. So the moment they said, on your market set, go, they were able to reach out and they reached out for a full 24 hours after that. And and what that looked like is a couple of different things. Uh, that looked like on his Twitter, getting direct messages from coaches all over the country or from recruiting coordinators all over the country. It looked like email messages, uh, direct messages, phone calls. Um, we've talked before in the past about edits. There were definitely edits that were sent through at that time, which would be some sort of personalization that uh, had happened that was to show that they were interested in Jackson. And so I think when all was said and done, uh, we put together a spreadsheet on this as well because it allowed us to update our big board, which we've talked about in other episodes. And so we went to the board and we went to our spreadsheet and there were people that had been tracking Jackson that we were unaware that were tracking him. And so we added them to our big board. There were folks that didn't show up on that day. And so we were able to update our big board to reflect that as well. And I think when all was said and done, on that day, we heard from roughly, I want to say, 37 programs in one way, shape, or form. And sometimes those reach outs were just an edit. Sometimes those reach outs were directly from position coaches or head coaches. Uh, it would give information like, hey, listen, we really are interested in you. I want to tell you a little bit about myself and I want to learn a little bit more about you. And so, um, I want to, it was almost like a war room. We literally had uh, a couple of different computers going. We had a cell phone going um, that uh, Jackson's girlfriend at a time was having a family dinner at her house and he was supposed to go to that family dinner and he ended up having to come home from that Sunday family dinner because he had some additional coaches reaching out and he wasn't quite sure how to navigate what he needed to respond to some of those coaches back. And because we as his parents are kind of his life support team, uh, he came back home, uh, brought his girlfriend with him, and we all kind of strategized on the best way to uh, respond to some coaches that we hadn't necessarily met, met in person prior to that day. Now, this is in the fall portion of the year. So at this point, from a high school perspective, your high school team is either two or three games into their season. Perhaps they're about to start their season. Uh, they have 
the team is starting to play games on Friday nights. And what's interesting about that is if you have a program that broadcasts those games, whether those games are on the internet or those are games are broadcast by the local media, coaches from around the country can log in or their, their, their GAs or their recruiting people can log in and watch that game. And so once that, uh, that happened and they were now free to reach out based on the based on the NC2A rules we were also Jackson was also getting feedback from coaches about games he had already played in during that year so i think um at that point in the year we had already played Orem High School um i can't remember who our second game was that year um and so Jackson was able to get very specific feedback on uh, we liked what you did with this play, or you got to make sure you're doing this on another play. And between that kind of feedback, as well as the feedback from the coaches at the high school, Jackson had a lot of lot of work to do at the beginning of the season to elevate his game and make sure he was perfecting his craft. Also during this time, we uh, were reached out to by a number of Ivy League schools. And I'm just going to take a minute to talk about Ivy League schools. Um, they have very specific requirements in order to go Ivy League. And so you need to have a certain GPA and you need to have a certain uh, test score and you need to have taken a certain kind of class schedule in order to get into those schools. So when Harvard reaches out or Yale reaches out or Princeton reaches out, we, uh, thought, oh my goodness, they're reaching out. That's fantastic. But the truth of the matter is, is Ivy League schools do not give full ride scholarships. They, when they're reaching out and giving you an offer, what they're doing is they're saying, we would love to have you come play for our team. We would love to help you uh, shepherd you through the process of applying to an Ivy League school. Uh, We um, would love to be able to get you money in order to attend our university, but that money does not come through an athletic scholarship. That money is always going to come through some sort of an academic type scholarship and or the Ivy League schools specifically have a um, methodology in which they um, take into consideration the resources that the student athlete has and they... Um, can get financial aid for that student athlete based on what the parents can pay or the financial resources. So it's really a like based on a need based system when it comes to tuition for the Ivy League schools. So if you're a family that makes a lot of money, you are probably going to be paying closer to full boat on that tuition. Whereas if you are from a family that doesn't have a lot of resources, you may end up getting a scholarship that's need-based, but it's not going to be an athletic scholarship. So although those offers are awesome, and frankly, they're really great when you look at the the upside of going to an Ivy League school, which is I have an Ivy League, League 
education, um, uh, the connections and the networking around Ivy League is going to be amazing. Uh, you can literally write your ticket in the job market anywhere you want to go. So those are really important things to keep in mind. Uh, occasionally you will see kids that went to an Ivy League school that went on to play, say, NFL football. Um, you're not going to see as many out of the Ivy Leagues as you would from the other uh, programs around the country. So when you're looking at Ivy League, just be aware of what's going on with that. That They may or may not be able to get you in. And you could be a super solid student and they still may not be able to get you in because you didn't take the right AP classes or you didn't have um, the highest test scores. So just kind of be aware that that's kind of the one of the things you need to be aware of when you're dealing with an Ivy League school. Now, that being said, Let's go back to the communication. So people were sending us emails. People were sending direct uh, messages. They were phone calling. Uh, they were sending edits. And so we were updating our board. We were adding a bunch of people to the board that we didn't realize were following us before. We were getting rid of people off the board that didn't necessarily reach out during this time period. Uh, additionally, we, at this point, uh, started using our framework again, which was just do the next right thing, one thing at a time. It'll take you all the way home. So the next right thing for us would to do for all of the Ivy League schools was to reach out to them and say thank you so much for looking at us um, to playing your program however at this time we're only pursuing athletic scholarships and as nice as that could possibly be um, again remember from previous podcasts, those coaches may be at Ivy League schools now, but they may not be at Ivy League schools in in the future, depending on how well those programs do and whether or not they need to get another job. And so anytime you let someone go um, from uh, this is who we're looking into and this is who we're not looking into, um, make sure you're being as professional as possible, grateful as possible when you're letting them go and updating your big board. Uh, the next thing that started to happen after the September Ready, Set, Go timeframe in which they could reach out and talk to us is the mail uh, began, began to come. And uh, before I talk about mail, I just want to go back as well to one other quick point. There are a lot of kids on Corner Canyon High School that are being recruited and do have offers at various universities throughout the nation. Not everyone is going to have the exact same experience of being contacted at 1201 and, and continuing to be contacted directly on that first day. I went to practice to uh, work on some booster stuff with the booster club the following day and I was sitting with another mother whose son is has multiple offers at this point but at the time he didn't have an offer yet and they didn't have 37 schools reaching out to them overnight they had one or two and so me not necessarily understanding that process had said to that mother oh wasn't that just so crazy over this weekend assuming that everyone had gotten the same level of attention but they don't so why I'm bringing that up is um if I didn't know what I know now I would have thought oh no like we didn't have this massive flood of 
people reaching out and talking to us, oh no, we're never going to get recruited. And that's simply not true. Once again, every program is in a different uh, place in their evaluations, a different place in the needs of their program. And so if that ready, set, go date comes and, and not a ton of people reached out to you, it doesn't mean that it's over, that it's too late. It's not too late. Uh, that particular athlete at this point has, I believe, six offers. They just came at a different time frame based on the needs and the wants of the universities that were recruiting them, as well as like their budget and their bandwidth. Not everybody has um, staff that uh, 25, you know, recruiting staff members. Some only have five. Um, so just be aware that if it doesn't come on that day, it's not the end of the world and it doesn't mean you're out of the running. Okay, let's talk uh, talk about mail real quick. So um, the f- a couple days later, the mail started coming, and the mail will get also give you a really good indication about whose list you're on. And so there would be days where I would go out to get the mail, and I would have this massive stack of mail, and it would be from all the different programs that possibly had reached out prior. Um, So within every single college system, they must have some sort of mechanism that automatically sends mail to you. And it's it's saying, hey, you're a recruit, you're on our board. It doesn't necessarily tell you the position you are on the board, but if you start getting mail from programs, it means you are in consideration for that program. And so there would be times where I would go out to the mail and I'd get this huge stack of mail and our poor mailman had said to me at the time, like, what is going on? And and we would say to him, oh, it, we're just in this recruiting process. I'm sorry this is going on. Like, I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen here. There's levels of mail that will arrive, just so you're aware. There is mass mail in which uh, a program is essentially doing kind of like, and I don't want to say it this way, but like uh, almost like credit credit card advertisements or something where they are trying to scoop up the most attention as they possibly can. And so the mail at that point won't be personalized. It may come in all sorts of different envelopes. Uh, we have a couple of local programs here that send giant uh, manila folder size pieces of mail daily to us and there will be a day where you'll get eight pieces that have one piece of paper in every single envelope from these local programs but it's not like anybody within that local program uh viewed the material viewed uh the material specifically being sent to your athlete and made a personal comment on it so you'll see mass mail from different programs and um that's a really good indicator that you're on their board so make sure you're updating your board as you go along to make sure oh okay we're getting mail from this program this means this 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 program uh, will is looking at us and if it's form mail that's good and at some point that may end up turning into more personalized items uh, the other thing that happens is if you've had the opportunity to go to an unofficial at a different university and participated say in a photo shoot or uh, you 
have been to a camp there and they've really liked you. At this point, they may end up doing more personalized mail. So that can look like different things. We had one program in the SEC, a school out of the SEC that had taken a photo of Jackson while he was on an unofficial at their site. They blew it up to be life-size. They cut it into puzzle pieces, and every single coach on the staff wrote a personal note on the puzzle pieces. And so they essentially sent us a life-size photo of Jackson in their uniform with handwritten notes on the puzzle pieces. It's one of the more clever things that we received. And so that was kind of fun. He Jackson lives on the basement level of our house and it's kind of his man cave down there. So for a while during this process, before he had made a decision, all the mail was going, all the personalized things were going up on the wall down there. Um, so we had a big life-size Jackson with acne and all um, on on his basement wall with personalized notes from all the coaches. We had another local university in the Pac-12 who created trading cards and they were football trading cards. They had pictures of Jackson on them and they sent out these personalized uh, trading cards to Jackson and that was incredibly neat for both Jackson and for my husband James, who's a massive trading card fan. Uh, along with those kinds of things, we also had different universities where every coach on the staff sat down and wrote a personal note to Jackson expressing how excited they were uh, to recruit him and to meet with him and to see his development. And those cards were so touching and and sweet and, and really lovely. And so in most cases, when we got these big, amazing things that were personalized to us, once again, our first move is to write a card back to the folks that are sending us those things and letting them know that we really appreciate that and we really understand uh, what a huge time commitment doing some of those personalized things are and that we really appreciated those items. Um, so that gives you kind of an idea of the type of uh, communication you can expect, the type of mail that you can expect. Uh, we started taking mail that wasn't personalized and just sticking it in a drawer in our house. And we've had to empty out that drawer a couple of different times because it, it got overwhelmed. Um, but the personal things, we've kept those all specifically separately. They're important to us. And frankly, the personalized stuff tells you on a really personal level, who it is that's invested in your athlete and, and how invested they really are. Because it's one thing to have your marketing people send a bunch of mail and it's totally a different thing to write a personal note. Um, and frankly, should anything happen and Jackson needs to pick a secondary school, those personalized notes would be a big deal to him and, and would go far in talking about who he would need to pick for a secondary school. Although at this point, we don't anticipate that happening in any way, shape, or form. And we're going to talk later in this episode about commitment and what would be something that would cause uh, athletes to decommit. And, and we'll walk through that. The next thing that happens during this time frame, and it could also happen a little bit during the sophomore year, but mostly during the junior year, is all universities that have 
um, Division One, and it probably happens for Division Two and Division Three as well. Uh, they want to take a moment and start inviting you to participate in their program at a different level. And so they will reach out to you and ask you, hey, we're having a game on Saturday. We would love to have you come to our home game. And so they will allocate a certain amount of tickets for recruits and recruits as guests or parents. Now, I'm a big fan of making sure you take the parents. Um, Jackson went to all the local university games here. He went to Utah State. He went to BYU. He went to Utah. We also made a point of making sure he could go to some of his top program interests out of state and attend games um, at those facilities. We are incredibly lucky as a family. Both my husband and I uh, work on a kind of a national level. We're both in sales and we have to travel generally for our jobs. And so with traveling for your jobs a lot, you get a lot of airline points and you get a lot of hotel points. And so we were able to provide Jackson with trips to some of his top schools in order to see a game there because it was important to him to kind of get up the vibe of the place prior to making any sort of decisions or narrowing his decision. And because we had airline points and because we had hotel points, we were able to do that for a relatively low cost. Um, so definitely if you're in a situation where programs are reaching out to you and saying, hey, we would love to have you come and uh, use these tickets. Take that opportunity, if you financially can do that, um, to go and take those tickets and be part of their program on their home turf um, before their home crowd. It's, it's a really great experience. When you sign up for those tickets, there's going to de definitely be some paperwork you need to fill out, some attestations, which basically say, I'm an athlete, these are my guests that I'm bringing with me. Um, what will also generally happen in those cases is you'll get credentials, not only for uh, your player, but also for the guests or parents. Um, you will spend some time on the field prior to the game watching the football team uh, warm up and get ready. Occasionally, they will allow the recruit to go into the locker room and be part of the position meetings that happen prior to the game. Uh, you're going to have field level passes so that you can interact with the different recruiting people and the coaches. There's always meals involved with that as well. So generally before the game, there's going to be some sort of tailgating type barbecue atmosphere. Once again, they cannot give you that food for free. They're, you're going to have to pay some small fee in order to participate in that barbecue. Uh, there will be parents and players from all over the country at those barbecues. Again, network talk to the other players, talk to the other parents, find out what their experiences are happening, what they're seeing. Um, that kind of information as well is really, really good to have because it helps you kind of build your uh, concept of the culture there, um, the, the teamwork there, the family there, that kind of thing. So tickets is something I definitely encourage you to uh, be part of. And I also encourage you to be part of uh, the game atmosphere and, and just the, all the folks involved in that for a particular program. 
Uh, I think Jackson did five or six games and it was very interesting for us as parents to see the different atmospheres at the different colleges. You wouldn't think there would be a big difference between them, but there absolutely was. There absolutely was. And then you will also have kind of um, people, depending on which program you go to, that kind of are hanger. I don't want to call them hangers on uh, that are kind of hanging around with the team and and related to the team in some fashion so you can got to get a sense of the culture from the people that they're allowing on their sidelines during the game the next thing i want to talk about uh relative to all of this is uh <laughs> is the shift and that's the only way i can really talk about it during this time period going into either your junior year or your senior year, but definitely it doesn't necessarily happen before your junior year unless you are a phenom of some sort, which if you are fantastic, great. You probably don't even need this podcast. Um, there's a shift. It, it, happens, it happened for us coming out of our sophomore year and going into our junior year. And that shift basically included us not necessarily needing to sell Jackson to them, but they had decided that Jackson was at a point where they absolutely wanted to offer him number one. And number two, they wanted to sell us on them. And uh, because Jackson's parents are both, because myself and my husband are both in sales, it was a really interesting dynamic for us to see because we are so used to selling everything all the time. I I go into a grocery store and somebody says, ooh, what do you think about this brand or a clothing store? And I will say to someone, ooh, that looks really good on you. You should get that. I'm just, a, I'm selling something to someone all the time, even if I'm not involved in any way, shape or form. I'm just a natural salesperson and my husband's kind of the same, although not as intense as I am. He's more of a, consultative kind of guy and so that when that shift happened uh I remember us getting in the car and having a conversation like oh my word like they're selling us we're not selling them anymore and it was a really powerful moment um there are some families that really like to be sold that was not a place where we felt incredibly comfortable. We uh, felt like we were incredibly grateful to be in a position where people did want to sell us and we didn't want to take advantage of that situation. And so once again, our framework came into play, just do the next right thing, one thing at a time. And so we were constantly in a situation during this period of time where we were having honest conversations. We were telling people when we weren't interested. Uh, we were letting people go. And we were really narrowing at this point when the shift happened between colleges that we absolutely would consider playing for and that we would love to go to. And we were starting to come up with uh, a framework by which we would be making a decision. So when we talk about uh, a framework for decision making. I'm just going to share with you some of the things that went into that. I think the very, very number one thing that went into Jackson making a decision, and I know athletes say this all the time, was family. 
And it's not that the team specifically needed to feel like a family because all teams, to a certain extent, do feel like families. For Jackson, it's bigger than that. At Corner Canyon High School, Jackson plays O-line. He is friends with the O-line coach, the D-line coach. He's friends with their wives. He knows their kids. Their kids know him. He knows his head coach's wife, and she knows him. It To say it's a family would be understating it. These are trusted advisors. Their wives are trusted advisors. Um, we really... At, anytime would happily welcome any of these families into our home and treat them as family because they they really are we love these coaches we love their wives we love their kids we think of their kids and their wives as part of our our family well when you move on to another program it's one thing to say your family it's another thing to have that level of involvement within the organization because not everybody operates at that same level. So one of the most important things for Jackson was, I want to feel like I'm a family with my coach, but I also want to feel like I'm a family with his wife or or his kids. I want to know all that information because I like to be connected to people on a really authentic level. And not everybody's willing to do that. Some organizations are very uh, corporate-like structures in which the head coach is the head coach. And sometimes you can walk into his office and sometimes you can't. And so when Jackson really started looking at programs, one of the most important indicators for him in the decision-making is, can I have the same types of relationships with these new coaches as I have with my current coaches? Can I go to them with absolutely anything that's going on in my life? Do I know what's going on with their families? Do they know what's going on with my families? He's just that kind of kid, which seems a little boundaryless, but for Jackson, um, and maybe it's because he's the youngest in the family. That was the very most important thing. The next thing for us was climate. He wanted to not play in super duper hot weather. <laughs> I don't know that the rest of these beyond family are in necessary order, but that was another thing. He, he likes cold weather, weather. He likes to play in cold weather. Um, he wanted a really good campus vibe. He wanted a program that was on the rise, that was in a positive trajectory. Um, there's something so incredibly comforting about a recruiting class where everyone comes out of winning programs and have all been the guy that had to do it in the past. Um, that was really great for Jackson when he entered high school is he had a team around him. Everybody there was interested in, in the same goal. And so it was really important that a program was on the right trajectory and they that everybody from a mental standpoint was believed in what they were doing as a program, that the players believed in what they were doing as a program and that the program was on the rise. Um, education, of course, should be super duper important. Again, I've said in another podcast, like Jackson's a good student. He's not the most amazing student ever. And that's not necessarily where his 
focus lies, although you never know, it could shift, but education was important. And then, you know, networking and, and future goals. So, of course, at this juncture, his goal is absolutely to go to the NFL. And we understand that that's an incredible long shot and will require not only the stars to align, but him to work harder than he's ever worked before and to continue to progress and get better and elevate his game. So he wanted to go to a program that has that ability to place people into the NFL, that plays a style of football that places people in the NFL. So those were kind of his uh, decision criteria. Um, the next thing that will start to happen after the shift happens is you will start to see a shift from, um, ooh, we're evaluating you, we like what we see, we'd like to develop you further, to, okay, we've now offered you, and so from that offer, we want you to accept that offer. So you'll see a shift from, we're being your best friends, to, Talk to us about your time frame for making a decision. Talk to us about when you think you'll be ready to make a commitment. And one of the very first conversations that I that we had about that was in uh, Mario Cristobal's office. And uh, my husband had had to fly out earlier. We were on an unofficial visit there. And so it was just Jackson and I, uh, Mario Cristobal, um, uh, as well as Coach Mirabal and uh, uh, Alik Terry, who is also a position coach at um, the University of Oregon. And I remember sitting there and having that question hit me and have Jackson be like, oh my goodness, like this is the first time anyone has really talked to us about a decision time frame and it shouldn't have necessarily hit me I'm in sales I'm constantly asking clients give me an idea of when you think you'll be making a decision but for some reason I hadn't necessarily translated that into uh, making a decision for uh, this particular situation and definitely Jackson at this point was only 16 years old so going into his junior season, Jackson was 16. Making a giant decision like that and a time frame for that hadn't necessarily crossed his mind. And so on the fly, I just said to Coach Cristobal, listen, uh, we're just kind of still new in the process. We want to give Jackson all the information possible in order to make a decision that works out best for him. We think we'll probably have a majority of that uh, information by the April which was last month uh, of the uh, 2020 season. And we don't think we'll be making some visits after that as well. And then we think we'll probably be making a decision at the end of May or early June timeframe. And to his credit, Coach Cristobal absolutely took that information and said, that's great. And said, we just... Uh, love that and and that was that that was the whole conversation regarding when do you think you'll be making a decision and I I thought it was a really important conversation because it's true if you have a framework for how you're going to make a decision you should also have a framework by which what time frame you're going to be making a decision as well and so from that point we really started to narrow down the top three 
schools, top four schools, top five schools that we wanted to make sure that we were able to see a game at, that we wanted to make sure that we were able to give Jackson that experience so that he would have the ability to make a verbal commitment in such a way where his commitment would be his bond. And we're going to talk about commitment again in just a second, but let's take a moment and at this point and talk about early signing day. So in the past, definitely before this whole coronavirus pandemic happened, you could narrow down your list to your top five schools and then you could go on five official recruiting visits to college campuses. That, for the most part, is a dead concept. The only way kids are going to be able to take five official visits in this current climate is if they are by far a top three or top five athlete in their position class nationwide and that the program that has offered them is willing to hold out to the last minute. And let me walk you through why that is the case. Um, most official visits happen in the fall during the season. They, um, when you're on an official visit, you, your entire visit is paid for by the, uh, college or university that's bringing you out for the official visit. And you can only take five of them. Well, that calendar or the time frame for those visits used to happen in like, September, October, November, maybe early December timeframe. Well, there's this thing called the early signing date and the early signing date happens mid-December now. So kids need to be able to make a verbal commitment way earlier than they used to. Last year, the early signing date actually had 77% of the college division one class signed in the early signing period. The only people moving forward signing in the second signing period, that's cleanup. That's not, um, that's not the, the bulk of the class. So it used to be college signing day would happen in February and you'd have ESPN and all the local newspapers and all the local radio stations would be like covering National Signing Day. Well, National Signing Day for football happens in December now. The only people signing in the month of February are folks that are signing on cleanup. So with that in mind, and there's, I'm not passing a judgment on early signing or late signing. And it's not even late signing now, it's just regular signing. So early signing, regular signing. A majority of the people who are signing are signing in the early signing period, which is mid-December. If you're making a decision by mid-December, you need to have that narrowed down and have your college uh, official visits done way before you used to be able to have them done. So if you're pulling that visit out in October or November, in the middle of a season for a college team, right? They may be able to get you in, but are you going to be able to get five visits in not only during the regular season for college football, but during the regular season for high school football? 
Um, most of these kids are playing on Friday night. They're coming in on Saturday. They're watching film on Saturday morning. They're getting some rest on Saturday afternoon, and they may be going to a college game in some fashion. Sunday, they're getting their homework done, and Monday, it starts again. So unless you're going to a local university, getting out of state to go look at and do a, an official visit at other places can be really, really difficult. This year's signing date is mid-December. Jackson will be going into his senior year. He will be committing at the early signing date, and uh, he will be enrolling on campus, if everything goes to plan, in January of 2021. So he'll graduate early in December, and he'll enroll in January of 2021. The regular signing day isn't until February of 2021. So what you have also is now kids saying, I don't want to wait until fall to show up on campus. I want to go early. I want to learn the playbook. I want to get my feet wet. I want to try and earn a spot, starting spot. And the best way to do that is to go ahead and sign with the early signing period. So with that in mind, five official visits is really, really hard to hammer out. And uh, we were at a couple universities that had people there for official visits when we were there for unofficial visits. And the, the way the official visitors w were treating the recruiting staff was horrible at some of those universities. I was embarrassed for the parents. I was embarrassed for the kid because for some reason everyone was treating this official visit like it was a free trip uh or from to go to Disneyland or something they were having people wait on them hand and foot and and manage them hand and foot and it embarrassed me because I'm a perfectly capable person I can go and get my own drink myself I don't need someone to go get me a coke uh, I can walk over there and grab it myself so you know, this is kind of a diatribe off to the side, but when you go on unofficial visits or official visits, once again, act a professional. Act like you've been there before. Act like you are going to be representing their team in a official capacity at some point in the future and you want them to have a good taste in their mouths about your family and how they conducted themselves and about your athlete and how they conducted themselves. Okay, with all of that said, and I know we're already 43 minutes into this specific thing, I'm going to end up uh, this particular podcast with a couple of different things. Uh, prior, I had talked to you about how um, when we talked about big board management and offers, how at first we wanted 50 offers and then we were overwhelmed with the amount of relationship management we were doing, not only with the offers that we got, but with all the interest from the universities that were considering us to give an offer. And so we had been to five or six games during the season and Jackson had been on one unofficial visit to a program. And when he got back from that, that visit, he knew what his decision was. He knew that he wanted to choose the University of Oregon. And, um, it started to eat at him. It really did start to eat at him. He couldn't, focus. He knew that he was ready to make a decision. And we as parents uh, 
wanted to once again we're his life support team so which you which all parents are for all their children they're there to help them achieve their goals and help launch them to be successful humans and so when i was actually on the road and jackson had come home from practice hadn't had a great practice um And he and his dad sat down and had a very, very serious conversation. And finally, at the end of that conversation, Jackson finally said, Dad, I know I want to pick Oregon. I just know I do. And I don't want to keep going on these visits. And I don't want to keep managing all these relationships. And I also don't want to keep stringing people along when I know in my heart uh, where I want to go. And so... uh, At that point, what happened is we uh, enlisted the help of other members of our team. And the other member of our team was his head coach, Coach Care. And so James and Jackson drove down to Coach Care's house and laid all of the information out on Coach Care and walked him through it and said, listen, Coach, is it okay for me to make this decision at this time? And to his credit, Coach Kerr was like a total gem and he gave Jackson all the positive feedback and you know said to Jackson, and I think his dad said to him as well, listen, if, if Notre Dame comes calling tomorrow or Clemson or Alabama or Michigan or LSU, uh, some of those schools were absolutely in contact with Jackson a lot. If they come and offer you tomorrow, would you still want to go to Oregon? And Jackson's uh, response was overwhelmingly yes. And so uh, when we had kind of checked all the boxes about the things that we wanted to make sure we were comfortable making that commitment, we made Jackson sleep on it. And he slept on it the next day and he woke up and he was feeling the exact same way. And he just couldn't wait to tell uh, his coaches at Oregon that he was committing to them and and I wasn't flying in until that night and so James made Jackson wait until I flew home and they picked me up at the airport and we came home and once again we went through all our criteria again because I had sat in their office and I had said to the coaches at Oregon when we commit we commit and there's and we're not going to do a bunch of un, a bunch of official visits like when we know we know and it's disingenuous for us to spend other people's time and resources and money if we already know what our answer was right our framework just do the next right thing one thing at a time it'll take you all the way home and so as a family we gathered around the phone and Jackson picked up the phone and he called coach Mirabal who's his position coach and he said coach I have something I want to tell you. And this this part gets me a little teary because it was such a pivotal moment. It was such an important moment. And the coaches at Oregon could not have reacted better. They acted as if Jackson had just called to tell them that they had won the lottery. It was so overwhelming and so... Uh, 
amazing and uh, really a great experience for our family. And we will forever be grateful to the coaches and how they handled that process there. And we delivered that message. And then after that, Jackson proceeded to call all the coaches that he needed to let down and have those difficult conversations. And I know I touched on that in another episode, but um, this is what happened in our Ready, Set, Go uh, when everyone and their dog could come and talk to us. And we knew that we didn't want to continue to, to string along other programs. And we wanted to make sure that we operated within our integrity and within our framework. And so that is when Jackson committed to the University of Oregon. And we, as a family, became ducks. Um, again, this happened in October of his junior year. And he can't even sign the document, the letter of intent, until December of this year, 2020. And nothing has wavered in that time. He continues to be completely and totally committed to the ducks. Um, this episode is now 50 minutes long. Um, so I'm going to end it here and we're, we're going to have to put off to another time about, uh, some other topics I could probably touch on on this episode, but thank you all for listening. Uh, I probably have one to two more episodes in me regarding recruiting and if you once again if you have any questions feel free to send me a direct message i would love to answer those and until i talk to you again have a great day stay safe bye bye